Hi, this is Pastor Rick. Glad you're with me today on demand. Today we talk about personal growth, investing in you personally. It's so easy to get tied up in investing in your children, your family, the car, the cat, the dog, everybody but you. Paul told the Corinthians, hey, you guys need to learn how to invest in yourself, your own personal growth. You need to mature. You need to develop. Are you growing? Stay with me today. I'll show you some things that will help you invest in you. This message is just the kind of message that can change your life. So stay right there. I'll be back at the end to pray for you. So stay right there. Enjoy. I am thrilled that we have been talking about investments because it's just a big word. And the word investment, what does it mean? It's about you putting something in your life that will help you. It's, it's the process by which you think of, if you can think of soil, you put something in the soil, you invest seed in the soil, and you expect something to grow. Now, I am a big investor, personally. I believe in investing money. I believe in investing time. And I've learned a lot about investment. I have, because I've made, and I'll share a sermon, a whole sermon on this called Bad Investments. I'm, I'm going to talk about that. Next week, I'm going to talk about mythological investments. You have something in your mind that you think you're investing in that's worthwhile, and it's not. I, I've, done, I've done that more times than I want to count. And I've also made some bad investments, and we'll talk about that too down the road. So we have two more sermons on that, and we'll talk about that, and you'll love it. But today, I want to talk about your personal investments. So I want to ask you, what are you invested in? If I were to look at your time, look at your life, what would I say you're invested in? And what is it that you're trying to accomplish? Now, for a lot of people, uh, they're all over the map. Matter of fact, their investment is in being busy. And that's really not a good investment if, in, if it's not leading you anywhere. You're just running around doing stuff. I want to share a text in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 where Paul talks to the Corinthian church about this topic. And what he does is he basically says, you guys need to invest in your own personal growth because that's the issue. The issue is that you're not developing the way you should. Now, remember, these are religious people, church people. These are people who are speaking in tongues, dancing around. These are people who, who are prophesying, but they're not growing. I want you to see the connection. You can go to church, you can pray, you can dance and not be growing. If I want to really know if you're growing, I've got to zoom in a lot closer and see you. I've got to see you outside of uh, a religious context. You know, I'm just seeing you in the context of church or whatever. That's not going to help me know where you are. Listen to what Paul said to these religious people. First Corinthians chapter three, verse one. He said, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. Verse 21, I gave you milk and not solid food, for you are not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. I want you to think about that. There are two things he says that are really simple, really basic. Basically, you guys are immature. You need to invest in maturing. That's the first thing he says. You need to invest in maturing. That is a profoundly dynamic statement that if you take that and say, am I childish? The things I see, a lot of the times when I live witness the way people behave, it's just they just didn't grow. And Paul said, that's the problem. And so if you are fighting in your family, if you're yelling, cussing and all that, 1 Corinthians 14 talks about this in great detail. You know, he said, when I hear you come together, there's always strife and division. There's always some confusion. That's a sign of immaturity. If you're going out or fighting with your sister and you're both in your 40s and 30s, you're, you're immature. That, there's something wrong with your family culture. There's something wrong with the way you developed as a family. Uh, cussing people out, all that. Those are signs 
of a lack of development. And so the first thing Paul says is you need to mature. Invest in that. Then he says this, invest in people who tell you the truth. You need to invest in people who give you not just milk, but solid food. Look at verse 2. Again, I gave you milk, 1 Corinthians 3 and 2, not solid food. Here's why. For you are not ready or able to digest it. So you can only deal with people who baby you. You can only handle people who put up with childish behavior. And this is why marriage for a lot of people is a very difficult process because marriage is for grown people. It's for mature people. It's not for people who have to have their way. It's not for people who have to have to win every conversation. Fathering at certain levels. I'm learning as I father, as I get as my kids get older, I'm learning to grow with them, grow, learn. They're grown people. They are grown, grown people, believe me. And they have to, I have to grow with them. I have to learn. I have to develop and grow. There's something about maturing, growing, and investing in that, reading about it, studying about it, making an effort. I try to read ahead of my seasons, and I'm trying to, trying to learn and grow. Just last night, I was reading some stuff late, and I, it just spoke to me about the way I see things, the way I judge things, the way I interpret things, the way I, the way I respond to things, and it really helped me. But that's an investment I made for my personal growth. Now, here's something, the third thing that Paul said that was really profound. You know, invest in maturing. He said, number one, then he said, invest in people who tell you the truth. Invest in people, in relationships where people sit you down and they tell you not things that are milk-filled, but things that are meat-filled. Then the third thing he says, invest, watch this now, in your growth and not personalities. Listen to what he said in verse 3, because this was the argument in the Corinthian church. A lot of people were just fans of Paul. And they would always say, oh, I'm a Paul, I'm a Paul, I like Paul. And then some people say, oh, no, I like Apollos. He's the greatest speaker, eloquent speaker. And so people were really big on personalities. And the Christian church today has fallen into that in a lot of ways. Listen to what he said here in verse, verse 3. He said, you're still whirling. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? In, in the New King, New King James, it calls it carnal. Are you not carnal? Good old word, right? Verse 5, what after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? The only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his, ta his, ta his task, I can get this out in a minute. Verse 6, I planted the seed. Apollos came along and watered it, but God is the one who made it all grow. Now, here's the point. There's nothing wrong with having a favorite preacher or a favorite person. It's not, that's not, this is not about that. This is not about saying you can't invest in people that are inspirational to you. What he's saying is you can't allow yourself to worship them. You can't allow yourself to be so consumed with it. There are people who love Ricky Temple, and there are people who don't. I'm praying for all of those people. But there are people who just love hearing me talk about the Bible. And there are people that eh, I'm kind of marginal with them. So, so, and that's okay. Some people like strawberries. Some people like vanilla. Some people like chocolate chip. Some people like just plain chocolate. It's okay. It doesn't matter. But we're not called to invest so much of our time in personalities that we forget ourselves. They were so invested in, in this personality pursuit of Paul or Apollos, and that became the argument. That became their point of pride, that they lost sight of themselves. Have you, are you so invested in personality you forgot yourself? 
You're so busy following a basketball player, following a, a preacher, or following somebody that you have forgotten you. There it is, but bad grammar, but you get the point. There's something really smart about hearing what I'm saying to you. And so I, I, I think there are two things, four things that, to remember that will help you stay balanced and not fall into these traps of personalities that are, are getting lost in immaturity. Number one, remember who grows things. I love the way he says this in verse 7. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. Paul who plants, Apollos who waters, we're not anything. God makes things grow. It's my relationship with the living God that makes things happen for me. It's not just being a Baptist or a Methodist or a Catholic or being in a church. It's about my relationship with the living God. Then secondly, remember, he said this, you're planting and watering purpose. The whole purpose of this whole thing is not about status and, and, and arriving at some spiritual plateau. And it's so lost when you talk about apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and doctors. I mean, I got a few titles. I understand that we need titles to d- define things. You know, this is a door. So that's why you, you go in the door. You know, this is a car you drive. Things have names for a reason. The reason you give spiritual leaders names is because it helps you identify what they do. I'm the pastor. OK, now we know that's all, that summarizes all I do. So there's something healthy about that. But if you forget your purpose and you get out of your job description, you get lost, then things get out of whack. And that's a sign of immaturity. And that's a bad way to invest, to get so locked in personality that you forget your purpose. Yes, I'm a pastor, but I'm not God. My purpose is not to act like God. Look what he said in verse 8. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-laborers, I love this, co-workers in God's service. You are God's field. You're God's building. You're not mine. You don't ever belong to me. I understand my role, but I got to be careful. Because he goes on to say this in verse 10. I need to remember to build carefully. Here's what he says in verse 10. For by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. And someone else is building on it. I get to lay a foundation for this church, but somebody will come along and build on it. I may start some enterprise, but somebody is going to come along and build on it. Martin Luther King laid a foundation, but other people have come and built on it. There are things that you don't get to always um, build on. And when you understand that, when you can focus your eyes and focus your mind on the purpose you have, and don't get lost because immaturity will take you off the cliff. It takes you in a direction that you don't want to go. You start thinking ways you shouldn't. I see that today. <laughs> I, boy, I'm telling you, there are Christians today who've made such a political investment. And that's what they're being known for. They're just, they've changed the name evangelical now to a political party. I'm thinking, ah, it's not what it is. It's good news. We're referees. We resolve conflict between Republicans and Democrats and independents. We're the people who say, okay, you're wrong here. Blow whistle. That's not good there. Okay, hold on on that one. We're the people who who find the the grace to give balanced, mature guidance. But we have, if we're not careful, overinvested. And you can do that. You can overinvest on the left, the right, the middle, wherever. You can just overinvest and get lost. And that's what he says. He says, you know, we're overinvested here. If we're not careful, we get lost. And then we start making a really bad decision to invest. (laughs) And what he describes is wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, precious stones. 
And he divides this up in a real simple way. And this is really prophetic about eternal judgment, how God will look at us and say, well, let me let me give you my measurement of what you've done. Let me show you what I think is good and what I think is bad. Here's what he says in verse 12. If anyone builds on this foundation, gold, silver and costly stones, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is. In other words, God's going to look at your work and say, OK, let's see. Let's see the quality of the work. Can this work stand fire? Or now wood can't stand it too much. Neither can straw, neither can hay, stubble. It will not survive much fire. And it shows up when things get hot, when things get difficult. When families come to moments and things are really bad, we're really feeling bad and things are really tough. In those moments, you see what they're made out of. And a lot of times it just blows up. One argument, divorce, it's over. One, one problem, bam, one bill that we didn't expect. Can't pay it. Got to call the credit, people. That's wood, hay, stubble, straw, gold, silver, precious stones, man. Yeah, you can crank on the fire and that gold can take it. There's something about investing in stuff that's strong. You know, if you if you're a person, you go to church all your life, right? You've been reading the Bible for a thousand years, right? Okay. No, not a thousand years. Okay, but you put if you put your whole family together and you've been reading the Bible for, for 20, 30 years, and all of you put all your years together, you got you got a lot of years. Why why you can't have one conversation without fighting? Why is it that why 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 do you have to have this kind of stuff? See, this is where he says, see, your investment's wrong. You're so invested in other stuff, you're not investing in yourself. So here's what he goes on to say. Let me read it again, verse 12. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to the light. It will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each, each person's work. And if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss. But you will be saved even though only as one escaping through the fire or through the flames. What's the point? Make sure what you invest in is solid. And how do you know? The results. The results. So you pastor for how many years, and then all of a sudden it blew up. You have to back up and say, what kind of material did we use when we built this church? What kind of, what kind of materials did we use when we built this country? Let me take a pause for a second. I want to say some things because I've been reading a lot lately, you know, and I, I, I say this and I'm going to close out with some personal investments. But we have to be honest about how we built this country. We have to be honest about how we're building it. The first thing I think that's really important is to be mature about it and say, well, first of all, uh, we weren't honest about some of the things that we said to people. Because when we look at the building materials, we came in, we took it from the Indians. Just took it, you know, just took it. It's five million of them, I believe, one study said in the world at the time that, quote, Christopher Columbus discovered America. Uh, that's just the truth. That's not, that's not something we're saying to be controversial. It's just the truth. Then if you go further and you say, you know, we had slavery from 1619 to 1835, 1865. Wow, that's a long time. You know, we had slavery for over 100 years before we became a nation. It's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing thing when you sit back and you think about how, how long 
that's been. I love numbers, you know. Sometimes I just want to say, eh, I don't know. My brain's not working today. Can't do math. So 1776, right, minus 1619. So that is 157 years of slavery before we became an official country. That's true. It's just true. It's not, I mean, okay, you know, okay, okay. It, it, I understand. You know, it, it may, don't turn. Just hang with me. Okay, 1865, right, minus 1619, right? So we're talking about 246 years of slavery. That's true. This is true. We're not, you know, I mean, okay, that's, that's our history. You know, we're family, right? We're family. Maturity says, okay, that's the truth. And then you go through the rest of our painful history, Jim Crow, all the other stuff. That's just true. But we're in this together. You, me, we're in this together. Okay? No matter what color you are, no matter where you are, we're in this together. We're all, this land is my land. This land is your land. From California. Man. This land is your land. This land is my land. We're in this together. The mature thing is to say that's the way we started and it's not working. Hey, watch this. You know a mature thing for you to do? Our marriage started with bad soil. We started with bad investments. We didn't do this right. You know what I'm saying? We didn't do this right. We didn't honor God. We didn't care what God said. We didn't, but this is our home. This is our story. We weren't good with money. We weren't good with communication. We weren't good with, I don't know what it is, but just think about it for a second and say, the truth is, this is what we did right. This is what we did wrong. That takes maturity, and you got to listen to each other. You have to tell the truth to everybody and say, let's try to figure out a way now to do this right together. Police officers have to tell the truth. That was bad. Putting the knee on the guy's neck. That's horrible. I don't care what you think about George Floyd. That was not the way for that to happen. Just tell the truth. That's not a right way. I mean, it, whatever it is, it, it's not right for the poor people up in, up in northern Georgia, the poor white people, the, the poor Hispanic people that are trying to find a place. It's not right. A lot of things we can go through and we can name and we can say, okay, this was dealt with well. This was not dealt with well. This is good. This is bad. If we can look at it and say, take a deep breath and work on being mature, growing as a people, as individuals, and facing the truth about ourselves, we can change everything if we can do that. But that's tough. And Paul said this. He says, I can't talk to you because if I do, you get angry. You act like babes. He says, he says I, I just I need to give you milk. And not meat. One of the things I do a lot, which you may be surprised about, is I have a lot of editors in my life. Every sermon, every uh, book I, uh, I'm writing, um, my academic pursuits, uh, which are ongoing. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm telling you, man, I, I'm, I'm telling you, you know, at the doctoral level of study, if you're going to do well, you got to let people edit you. They have to edit your work. They have to edit what you, you, how you write. They have to take your work and put red ink all over it. And you have to embrace it and say, thank you. I'm listening to you. How do I need to phrase that? And 
And then if, at every level of learning, masters, all, all the way down, anything you do up the train, any career, any path, making money, man, anything you do, are you mature enough to invest in your life and tell the truth to yourself? Are you too immature for someone to tell you that you shouldn't act that way as a woman married to that guy? And if, you, if you're that immature and no one will ever talk to you, and then forget it. There's not much God can do. God can just, just watch what I call the sad movie. So what I want to challenge you to do is this. I want you to make some wise investments in your life. I want you to start saying, okay, let me grow up. Let me not worry about anybody else. Let me just focus on me. And that's where I am right now in my life. So let me give you some wise investments that I've learned to make in my life. You ready? Number one, I've learned to make time for myself. Time for me, not for anybody else, just for me. You'd be surprised how powerful that is to get up and not be rushing everywhere. Some of you are on too many committees, too many boards. You're so invested outside of yourself. You are a mess. Look at your house. Look at your life. Look at your car. Look at your body. Look at your what, what, what are you doing to invest in you? In you. I'm, telling, I'm looking at mine. I'm working on it. I'm a work in progress. Secondly, I'm investing in reserves for me. Reserves, it's cash, right, for me. The Bible says something powerful in Ecclesiastes 7, 12. It says, money is a shelter or defense. Let me tell you, when you got money, <laughs> it makes a difference. You know, it's a lot of times if you don't ever stop as a church and say, let's work on the money part. And it's not just a fundraiser to build a building or a fundraiser to renovate. It's about getting honest about the way we live financially. If you don't have any money, the average, I think it's 40% or so of Americans, I have to look it up, but they're about, if they had a $500 problem, they don't have enough reserves to fix it. And that's what we need to pray and work on and invest in that. Let's focus on improving that. Get $500. I want to just invest in me so that I can, when I need gas or when I need to go buy groceries, I can do it. So I'm investing in, in that reserves. It's important. And number three, friends I can depend on. I want to invest in friends I can depend on. I mean, real friends. Not just somebody that wants to suck out my love and my joy. I'm not looking for vampires. I'm looking for friends. Some of you have, you have vampires, you should cover your neck. Every time you're, they're biting you, they're taking all your time, your money, and your, and your focus. Every day, they're on your brain like they've rented space. At some point, you have to have a free moment when you're not thinking about anybody but you. Sounds selfish to me, Ricky Temple. Sounds like you just send me, me, me. You don't want hurting, right? Paul, in writing to the Corinthians, was talking about their growth, their life. So I invest in friends that I think I can depend on. People that can help me grow. Not people I can go get something from. Some people make you a friend so you can be a bank account for them. That's not a friend. That's not, that's, that's not, that's not a friend. You become an IPU, income producing unit for that person. Whenever they need income, they call you. They don't deal with you otherwise. It's not a friend. Income producing unit. That's what you are. I call it an IPU. I don't need those. I need 
Number four, knowledge I can draw from. I need to know for me. I, I just need to know for me. Me. It's nothing like personal knowledge. There's a term <laughs> that is just profound. It's called academic racism is what that means. I deny you access to knowledge so you don't know. Part of the, the story of slavery was it denied education. <laughs> it denied education. Wow. To people so they wouldn't desire to be free. There's something about realizing it didn't just happen to black people. It didn't just happen to Hispanic people. It didn't just happen to Asian people. It happened to poor white people. There's so much that we don't know. There's the conspiracy theories that we see. A lot of it is built in just not knowing. You just don't know. And so you just believe what people tell you. You don't know how to look up anything for yourself. So there's this, you just argue. You know, you got these arguments going on, and you're just arguing other people's words. You have no way of looking anything up yourself. And so you, you, you're, you're living in a place that you think is full of knowledge, and it's really not. And what's really sad is sometimes religious people are some of the hardest people to get to face. They, they don't know. We've got that wrong. That's why when we get married, you get married to a woman, and you've got these ideas in your head about a woman, and you don't know because you know, no one ever taught you. Your knowledge about women is very limited. It's only the people you slept with and the people you dated and your mother who never told you much. So you, if you're not careful, you don't really know women. So you marry one and you're totally lost. Same thing with a guy. You don't know guys. You know how to dress up and tempt one and roll around the sheets with one, but you don't know men. Your knowledge base is limited, and this is why you're not mature. You're not mature in those areas. You want to be. You can look the part, but you're not. You're not. When you get zoom in, when you zoom in close, you can see it. So I'm working on knowledge for me. And the more I learn, the more ignorant I find myself to be. And then the last thing I'm working on is activities that build the whole me. I'm working on time for myself, reserves for myself, friends I can depend on, knowledge I can draw from, and activities that build the whole me. You know, sometimes... Um, Man, this is tough, but I want to say it. I'm a pastor. I love God. I love church. I love ministering. I love all this stuff. It's great. But this is not all of me. God never intended for this to be all of me. Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day, right, in the book of Genesis. But during the day, they tilled the garden. They had a love relationship. They had a life outside of walking with God in the cool of the day. Sometimes churches take up your life so much that they don't give you any time to have a life. There's no activities that, that build your life. You're not allowed to have activities for just you. And in these incredibly bondage-driven environments where you feel like you can't even not go to church without getting permission, what is that? The new slave ship. It's incredible. What is that? I mean, I, mean, I need to be invested in activities that it, it broaden my life, and church is not the only thing that does that even though it's an important part of my life. I get that. I got one. I got a church with thousands of members. I am not against this. I am simply saying, I, Ricky Temple needs an activity beyond preaching to build up his life. 
I need an activity beyond teaching and talking to you that builds up my life. What are you doing? What activities are you involved in? If you're not careful, you're not involved in much of anything. You're, you're involved in mythological assumptions, myths. I'll talk about that more next week. There's nothing like waking up one day like the woman who gave her life to this guy. She raised up three or four kids. She sacrificed her life, helped him go to school to find out it was all a lie, a myth. There's nothing like helping this woman graduate. And I've seen this, you know, work through school and give her everything. And then you wake up one day and she's not even interested in you. It's a myth. It's one thing to see you start a church and nurture that church from nothing. Two people, you and your wife, and then it grows up and becomes this big place with lots of money. And then they're not even fair to you. It's a myth. That, my friend, is not something you want to invest in. I don't want to invest in myths. I want to invest in the truth. So let me get you to pray with me today. For some of you, you're a little bit back on your heels a little bit with me today. You're, you're saying, oh, man, Pastor Rick, that was strong. But I want to say it's only designed to say it's time to focus on you. Because if you're better, you can make the world around you better. One more time. If you're better, you can make the world around you better. It's all about you understanding the power of investing in you. Yeah, yes, you. Let's pray. Father, I pray today in Jesus' name that what we've talked about will lift the veil off the eyes of those who've been so focused on other people that they've forgotten themselves, that they've not invested time in their own reserves, their own money, their own life, their own knowledge. They're just lost somewhere in some, some church identity, some religious identity, some, some celebrity, some personality, and they're not focused on themselves. Let this be a moment of healing and awareness for them. May they find the courage to say, God, it's time for me to look at my life. It's time for me to decide what I want for me. And God, there's nothing wrong with it. And God we, get, God, we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I pray you were blessed by that message. The part I like the most is you use good material when you invest in Wood, hay, and stubble, that, that just blows away in the wind, catches fire quickly. But that good stuff, Gold, silver, precious stones. That's what you need to invest in. What basically that means is you make sure your investments will last. That's my prayer. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray that we would not be wood investors, stubble investors, hay investors. I pray we'd be gold, silver, and precious stone investors. That we'd invest in our own growth, our own maturity, and our own future. Help us not be afraid. The Corinthians need to learn to listen they need to learn to grow up and not whine and cry and act like babies. It's time for us to take that same advice and become all you designed us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being with us on demand. I hope it helped you grow up today. I hope you go out and say, you know what? I need to just think about me, not just my kids, not my family, just me. Personal investments. See you next time right here on demand. You be blessed. Bye-bye.